You're listening to Canary Crown Flyby. Food for thought from a place of faith. Cheers. Basil and Gons. Hey everybody and welcome to Canary Crown Radio Flyby. My name is Basil. And this is Gons. As Basil said, this is a flyby. It's probably one of the more compelling flybys, I would say. Yeah, it was nice. We haven't, I don't think we've done a flyby yet in 2015, this whole year. So here it is. We're talking with our buddy Sam from God's Property Radio. <laughs> Property. Property. Property Radio. Some of you may listen to their podcast. If you don't, go check it out. They're awesome, awesome dudes. We got to hang out with them at the uh, Prophecy Forum a couple months ago. We talk about that a little bit. Talk about some uh, breakfast foods. We talk about uh, all sorts of good stuff. Ken Tovine. And stay tuned to the very end because you'll hear my little guitar doodly stuff. Good stuff. And, good stuff. and Sam, uh, he's a really, really good singer. And a good yeah. lyricist, and and uh, so we're gonna we're gonna do that. Publicize the song, baptized yeah, going, in credit. Going live, and um, let's see, yeah, all sorts of good stuff. Anything else that we uh, need to mention? I don't think so. No, let's get into it. There you go. Okay, here we go. Pew, pew. First off, since we're recording now, now I can properly talk a little bit about meeting you guys at the Prophecy Forum, which was fantastic. It was, and um, yeah, that was uh, the the one thing. Uh, so, I, I this is a funny story, and I, I think Dan will get a kick out of it, and you guys probably will too. But um, so initially, I meet, I emailed Gons about doing the outro, like both you guys doing our outro for the Tom Bionic episode, and that was like our one year anniversary episode. And you guys were kind of running around all over the place, like on what two hours of sleep? What was that? Something like that. I got two hours on Friday night, and then I got up to do the presentation on Saturday morning. Yeah. No, it was crazy. Yeah, it was insane. We were like zombies. Anyway, I kind of thought Gans like remembered like what was going on like as far as the email, (laughs) but I didn't realize (laughs) how much you had to do. So I got there, and luckily, I mean, it was awesome. I got to have breakfast with you guys like that next morning. I was holding my daughter in the, the lobby there because she woke up early. But Yeah, that was cool. That was awesome to catch up with you. Um, but, yeah, I was mentioning to you talking about, like, music and possibly jamming on the guitar later or something. So fast forward to later at night after pretty much the whole thing's over, um, you guys are doing your banjo and guitar dealy, and that kind of fell through because of the technical happen. difficulties that were happening. That's right. We actually didn't right, right. haven't even talked about that on, on the podcast. Oh, oh, no. the worship no. that first night, huh? Yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah. yeah. Not important. <laughs> well, better time. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, those, those technical difficulties, I don't know if you want to talk about going to the details on that, but, um, uh, like what happened exactly other than technical difficulties, but um, not ours. Somebody else's technical difficulties. Yeah. So anyways, Dan and I were figuring, Hey, let's do this outro with you guys. And so you guys are like, okay. And you guys were so tired. (laughs) We get to the stage and you guys pick up your banjo and your guitar. And Dan and I are kind of like, kind of not knowing what's really going on because we were under the impression, like, this is like, you know, um, you know, supposed to be an outro for recording, you know, just dialogue, you know, for the episode. And you guys are like, just 
kind of strumming your guitar and your banjo and <clears throat> the most confused looks on you guys' faces and you're like kind of muttering under your breath. So here's Basil. He's like, uh, so, so what are we doing? And John's <laughs> looking back at him. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, uh, Basil, I, I don't know. I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> and, then, and then Dan and I looked at each other like, what are they doing? <laughs> finally, finally in about three seconds, it all kind of clicks in my head. I'm like, Oh, Gans thinks I want to jam on the guitar like I mentioned at breakfast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so then I turned, I turned uh, to, to you guys, and I'm like, guys, it's totally cool. I just want to record, like, a convo for the podcast. And it just gets silent for, like, five seconds, like, cricket. And then, Basil, you're like, oh, like, talking? That'd be <laughs> way more fun. <laughs> Yeah, I was, was so, so awesome. confused. Yeah, Guns earlier that day was like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna play an outro for their episode." Like, cause you know we have music on the end of the episodes. So like, oh, that, I guess that's kind of cool. I'm not really. I don't know if I'm prepared to kind of just jam out something that'll be, you know, that'll survive <laughs> forever. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. Right. I I I think there was too much information passing through my brain. And like outro, oh, yeah. guitar, uh, slash. I know like, <laughs> that's that's a problem too. You you tell a bunch of musicians that we're gonna record an outro yeah. <laughs> that like doesn't really. You gotta. Right. Sorry about the confusion, guys. No, no it's, it's all good. It's it was, all right. And that was it was it was a funny conversation too because, I mean, we were still in like that insanely like tired state when we were recording even just talking. Oh, I know. And yeah, mm -hmm. afterwards, I remember Gon's just like, oh man, I don't even really remember what I said. Yeah, I think I think Sam, uh, uh, he censored some of the stuff for me, which is good because it was... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Gon's just starts yes, going into his like, personal like, taxes and stuff. Financials. Yeah. It wasn't even like personal. It was a long was, conversation about taxes, like randomly. At the end. No, it was. I think it was. It was about. It was. I don't know. It was about. It was about the prophecy forum stuff that should not be public. You know. No, there's personal taxes. Too. Oh, really? He talks about I don't your remember, personal. Man. Yeah, it was like personal life. stuff, like about about how you you owed a bunch of money and and you were just like kind of <laughs> ranting about it. <laughs> it's been deleted, my friend. I don't even have it. <laughs> sure yeah okay how was that episode how did that episode turn out i'm a, i i regret uh, to say you can I, listen I to it to listen you can to listen it, oh yeah you can listen to it for yourself i think it had i don't know like if you guys like what you determine like your success of an episode but as far as downloads i think it had like 1200 or 1300 downloads um Boom. nice so that was kind of cool and the outro, you guys, we talked for like forty minutes, so like forty-five minutes. Yeah, so, that was a long outro. Um, yeah, mostly because I was, I was uh, giving my, you know, it was a therapy session for me. <laughs> I was completely delirious. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so yeah, it was awesome. And then, and then this, this, I won't, I won't, I don't know if you want to even like include this part of the story, but like, the, like right after the, um, you know, that little ordeal I was just talking about with the banjo and the guitar. Then we we're supposed to go like record this outro. You guys agreed to it, and then we get hit up by Dan Duvall, 
And Dan Duvall just like kind of busts in like, "Hey, you guys, we're gonna go to dinner, right?" <laughs> oh yeah, that, <laughs> it was like oh, it was like it midnight. Was so late, <laughs> and it was such a it was such a dilemma because we were exhausted and but hungry, just, like, talking nonsense, and like, man, Dan Duvall, like I love that guy. I just want to spend as much time as I can with him, but at the sen- same time, I'm like, man, my my head says yes, but my body says no. <laughs> exactly. I just felt so bad for you guys because, like, I'm trying to pull you in the one direction, and then you got Dan pulling you. I'm like, I just like gave up almost right there. I was like, all right, Dan, I guess we're going out to dinner. <laughs> and we did, and we we got uh we had breakfast for dinner. That's right. We went to. Where do we go? I hop. I hop. That's right. I hop. I think. I think. Awesome. I think my favorite part. My favorite part, though, was before we left for I hop. As we were exiting, uh, Dan was like, "I parked over here." And Basil, you were so tired, dude. Me and my <laughs> sister walked into the car, and and Basil was just like, "Okay, we'll be right there." <laughs> you were just so dead and done with like your day and then sarah and i and my sister we we drive over like to follow you guys over there and i we park and basil's circling around dandy wall's cars like <laughs> relentlessly just perfect circles yeah i was practicing my uh my stunt driving on the rental car that we had those were pretty good circles. I was like protecting his car from him. He was like trying to get to his car. And I was like a, a force field. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. It was, it was, I can't imagine what it was like in the car for like Audrey and guns, but just being outside watching it was like, give me some oh, right. well, Audrey was in the car too. I remember oh, well, that. that was the best part. Cause Audrey is, is such a sweet, nice kind of quiet lady. And, it was like for a a big portion of that, it was just silent. It was just silence in the car as we're just like stunt driving around this parking lot. And Audrey's just in the back, just, you know, <laughs> taking it like a champ, just not asking questions. <laughs> just getting, got in the car. Well, that was this crazy, crazy person. And just <laughs> let Jesus take the wheel. How many people can say they were in the car with Basil and Gons doing parking lot donuts, you know, in the car? Only one. One. Only one person. One. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Anyway. So, uh, but when we got to IHOP, like, just to cap it off here, I don't understand. I still don't know if I fully understand what exactly happened, but I do remember somebody, well, for, like, this is my favorite Basil quote the of the night. Kid? Was, yeah, well, I want to talk about that, but real quick. Okay. I was having the vegetarian conversation with you. Yeah. And, and, uh, I was like, so like, what are the reasons why you don't eat, you know, meat and whatnot? And you're like, all of the above, you know, like, it's like and I'm like, okay, that's cool. And then you got into like, but pepperoni, you know, pe- come on, man, that's just too far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you gotta draw a line. I'm not dogmatic about it. I, I, 99% of the time don't eat meat, but like who's going to eat pizza without pepperoni? Like that's just ridiculous. And then bacon is just <laughs> sort of like a, what the heck are you talking about? Bacon. But you'd be surprised. And I mentioned this at the table, like you'd be surprised how many people in real life I've convinced that pepperoni isn't actually meat and like preserved my hundred percent vegetarianness in their mind. 
just by being like, no, no, dude, pepperoni's not meat. They're like, oh, I mean, it just shows like the, the education Whoa. of meat on people. They're like, what? really? I guess I could see that. Like, they totally take my word for it. And then I have to <laughs> repent for lying <laughs> and also eating. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. but yeah, the, what was up with, the, okay, so the final thing I wanted to just tackle here, what was up with the kid? Because the kid comes to the table, like, randomly, you'd gone to, like, the bathroom or something, and then yeah. you came back, and not too long after, this dude just kind of hands you a cell phone? Yeah. Like, what was up with that? Yeah, okay, so when I went to the bathroom, there was, like, a gaggle of high school kids um, sitting in the lobby of IHOP. And, you know, they're having fun, as high school kids do. Um, I mean, I don't think they, like, were intoxicated or anything. seemed like a really wholesome situation. But there was probably, like, uh, eight to ten of them. And I'm, like, walking past. Oh, no, 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 no. I went to use a telephone is what it was. And so I'm walking out of the IHOP to make a phone call. And this group of high school kids just look at me and you know, I was, I was, I was all dressed up, you know, and they really liked my outfit. And as I'm passing them, they're not talking to me, but they're like talking to each other. Like, Oh, look at, look at his outfit. Oh, look at that guy. And I had like my top knot and like, I don't know, I guess I just look like a crazy person in the Midwest or wherever. You, you kind of had this like Mitch Hedberg thing going on. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot. I get, yeah, so I mean, just like the, the quintessential like crazy California guy, I think is is what some, some people would describe me as. And so I do that. I walk out the door. I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm on the phone, and I'm facing away from the glass door, and I turn around, and one of the kids had followed me all the way to the last uh, door. So he's on the other side of the glass door and he just stares me right in the face and puts his hand up to the window. And, you know, I'm, I'll play along. I, don't, I mean, he, he kind of seemed like the... <laughs> kind of seemed like the, like the class clown, like he was doing something to make everybody laugh, like all the high school kids. And so... He, he puts his hand up to the window and I stare him right in the face, completely cold faced. Like, I don't know. Even, I might have even just like raised one eyebrow at him and just met him, met him halfway, just put my hand up to the glass. And we just stood there for like a good, realistically, 30 to 45 seconds, just making this connection through the glass. No idea who this kid is, no idea what's going on, like, no context except for like a group of high school kids just like rolling on the ground behind him. And, and so, and anyway, so I walk back in after all this ends, I walk back in and they're like, Oh, you're so like, cool. Where'd you get your clothes and stuff? I'm like thrift stores. We don't need to make any more textiles. There's enough textiles in the world to blah, blah, blah. I give them this little spiel. Then I come back to the table. Well, apparently this ingratiated me to them so much that, the class clown kid steals another kid's cell phone in the group and comes and gives it to me for safekeeping. And so I'm holding on to this kid's cell phone for like a good portion of the meal. I almost kind of forget that I have it. And 
then anyways, long story short, the kid the kid whose cell phone uh I had finally figures out I have it. And um he he came and very sheepishly asked for it back. And then I uh you know, I grilled him with the twenty questions. He had a girl on his uh on his screensaver. So I had to know who that was. And uh, yeah, anyways. <laughs> It was just, so random. It was just the most random buddy. thing. <laughs> just making friends. We're just like everybody. Everybody at the table is just like, "What is going on?" Yeah, because you guys had no. Clue. We had no clue. A kid just hands me <laughs> like I'm in like some born identity like situation where I get handed a cell phone by like a random person and then I answer it and have to run off and like save the world. Um, but no, it was it was a good time. Was there was like there was like seven or eight of us or something like that. Oh yeah, sitting at that big, table. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a big, it was a big crowd, and I just like purposefully didn't. I just ignored it. He handed me the cell phone, just like put it down, and like so we sat there for a little bit until somebody. I think it was it might have been Dan or you or someone. Just like wait, the heck is up with that cell phone, Basil? <laughs> oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> Anyways. It was a good that was time. awesome. I'm glad that we could we could get that out. Yeah. <laughs> now the world knows. Um, okay, so we're awesome. here for a reason. <laughs> yeah, this isn't story time. Oh yeah, that's, that's right. So yeah. this this is I, I hear you have something interesting to tell us about. I kind of get the gist of it, but I'm not really sure what the heck's going on. I know that this was uh, impor- important enough for me to uh get up early in the morning. Well, before twelve. And uh, get on the internet here. Well, it's, it's definitely important enough. Uh, not necessarily uh, me saying it. I don't care who says it, but it's an important thing. Um, so I'm glad that you got up before 12 to yeah. hear about this. It wasn't easy. So <laughs> um, why don't you start from the beginning? Tell us what's up. All right. So, okay. I'm going to try not to bring myself into it as much as just the situation. And uh, just know this, I'm not an expert in law. Um, I don't know a lot about the different, all the different charges that have been brought into this case. Um, I, I know a few things about it. Um, I've been talking to a lot of people on the podcast, but I'm also, how many episodes have you guys done? How much of the information can you just like rattle off? You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> off the cuff, you know, that you, that you take in on a, every episode. I mean, there's only so much I can do if I'm constantly doing new episodes. So, um, what I will say is <clears throat> you guys are familiar. I guess, I guess this kind of like goes back to, let's just talk about like in age of the sea, uh, Don's, you referenced the movie age of Aquarius. Yeah. And, uh, or age of age of evil. Sorry. Aquarius, Aquarius the, age the age of evil by um, Keith Thompson. Yeah. Right. So I checked that film out and I had already been into like, Kent Hovind and, and, uh, some other, you know, some other of those dudes that are mentioned in that film that we're talking about the NWO back in the day. And, but Kent Hovind for me was somebody like a huge deal in my faith in being able to articulate, you know, the whole evolution, um, you know, debate and just kind of like win that conversation within the first five minutes and talk about, well, which evolution, you know what I mean? And so, I mean, there was that, and then there was the whole, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, <clears throat> I'm trying to think here. 
the, the, the whole like legal realm, the whole new world order thing, uh, as I was going through that paradigm shift, so to speak, uh, I would say that Kent Hovind was kind of like my safety net, you know, um, I'd be hitting up his lectures. It's a very vulnerable time as we all know, when you're coming to realize all that stuff. Uh, so near and dear, near and dear to me is Kent Hovind. Um, but in your, you know, you referencing that film, I checked out, you know, Age of Aquarius or Age of Evil, um, Aquarius by um, Keith Thompson, and that tidbit of information that he drops in there about Bill Cooper, Fritz Springmeier, John Todd, Randall and Bear, and Kent Hovind all being silenced within a, you know, five, six year span um, of time, uh, you know, that's kind of interesting, you know, that, that all those dudes were, were silenced, uh, three of which are gone, and two of which are still alive. One is in prison. Fritz Springmeier is the only one that's out of prison and alive, um, as we know right now. And he's, I think he's been on Alex Jones fairly recently in the last couple of years. But Yeah, and he's a, he's a guest we're going to have on uh, in the future as well. We've reached out to him. Oh, awesome. That is, so go ahead, sorry. That is awesome. Good for you guys. Um, so Kent Hovind was one of those five that was silenced, let's just say. And Kent was attacked allegedly on the internet for tax evasion is what they're calling it. Now, all of the sources that I've been interviewing, like uh, Ernie Land, who is the trustee or was the trustee of Creation Science Evangelism up until 1999, until Paul J. Hansen, and I'm trying to think of the other guy, and I can't remember the dude's name off the top of my head, but those two dudes took over and kind of changed some things. Um, I got, if anybody is listening to this and wants to hear from like those, those individuals, I have pretty extensive interviews with them on godspropertyradio.com. If anybody wants to hear them, um, and just get the other side of the story of what's really going on. Uh, essentially, um, one of the big charges that Ken was, you know, taken under for was the, um, structuring issue, which I don't know a ton about structuring. I know that it was something that was created during the, you know, the night, I think it was the nineties, the war on drugs, like kind of thing, whatever was going on, um, towards the late nineties, it was being created or again, like I could be wrong. So don't quote me on like dates. I shouldn't even throw those out there, but, um, basically structuring has to do with how many transactions somebody, um, does with their bank, whether it be withdrawing or, um, like depositing. So like, for instance, we run a campground and you know, we're a business, so we, we can only deposit, um, like it has to be 10,000 at max, like, um, you know, every transaction, like you can't do any more than that for the structuring, you know, codes and all that, that were put in place. Otherwise, if you are to do that, then you could be subject to going to jail basically, you know, which is, you know, a whole other conversation about, you know, the laws or codes and statutes and all that stuff. But, um, essentially that's kind of like what happened. They were doing on these transactions. One has to understand that Kent Hovind himself, uh, was not a corporation. Uh, he did not have a 501c3 status as creation science evangelism. And I, I also want everybody to please know this. Um, if anybody has studied the, or at least knows a little bit about. I know you guys talked to Rob Skiba early on in your podcast, and you guys had kind of covered the um, sovereignty issue in that first like half hour, I think it was. 
and you talked about like capitalist diminutia and all that stuff, you know, the legal right. rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not like that well versed on that stuff either, but I find it pretty fascinating. Um, but basically Kent Hovind rescinded his social security number in 1974. So he's been doing everything as like a, like not, you know, in the world, not of the world, so to speak, you know? Right. And so with free man on the land kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like that. But we also have to be careful as we know with like the way that we talk and the words that we use, because um, a lot of people call it like the sovereign citizen movement and citizen comes from the word city. Uh, a right. citizen is a subject and we're not subject to anything but God, really. We shouldn't be subject to the state, you know, and that's a voluntary, you know, contract that's set up um, without us really, most of us, any of us knowing it. Yeah. Um, so, but Kent, Kent came to realize these things and Kent uh, befriended many, many other people. You know, he was very successful at what he did with creation science evangelism and Dr. Dino or Dr. Kino, or I, I forget what it was called, the, the park that he had, but um, in Pensacola, Florida, they handled that such as there was no charge for anybody to come in and go on any of the rides or do anything. Um, I mean, obviously they could buy like videos or t-shirts and stuff like that. But um, as far as like coming to the actual place, it was, it was a ministry and it was donation only. So some people would come through this place and they would pay absolutely nothing. And then some people were so touched by the Hovens that, they would, you know, they had some money in the bank and they would write, you know, I, I guess it probably wasn't uncommon from what I've been hearing, like, you know, a $10,000 check could be written to the Hovitz. So right. you can see that the Lord was really blessing Kent and his family. And I, I truly believe, uh, I'll, I'll just get into the, the whole employee thing. Um, Kent's employees were not employees. He was, he ran it as a mission, as a ministry. So everybody was a missionary and it was understood. And he hired many college kids from a Christian college nearby. And they, um, they, they, it was understood basically that they would not pay them. Um, uh, they wouldn't file taxes, et cetera, et cetera, but they wouldn't pay them. They, they didn't have a going rate. But it was understood that they would be compensated fairly according to for their service to the Lord. So that, you know, I'll take care of you guys, but I'm not going to give you a set rate. I'm not going to, you know, we're not going to file this. This is not, this is not, um, we're not subject to that because we're under God and we're not under the stake, you know? Right. So essentially that's, that's how he did everything. I know that may sound a little crazy to um, many people listening, um, but um <clears throat> I, I happen to be one of those crazy people that thinks that that's pretty legit. And if you know what you're doing with all that stuff, and I'm not saying I don't know anything about it, but I, God bless the people out there that have the, the guts to realize that, you know, at some point uh, when are our, you know, any of our rights, like when, when do those completely dissolve and, what, like what, what's the driving force or the thing that binds us to even obey those things? Um, I mean, you, you rather obey God than man, right? So, um, that's, that's kind of, uh, the gist of what happened. Uh, his wife went to prison, I think for three years or something. 
Uh, he's been in prison for eight plus years now he's in. He should be getting out in February, um, but they recently threw three brand new charges on Kent. And I, I don't remember all of the charges. I know it has to do with mail fraud. And I know that um, the mail fraud thing really can't stick because the package was actually hand-delivered by a family member. Um, so it didn't actually go through the U.S. Postal Service. So right there, there's no way for them to have any like jurisdiction over in their you know mail system. Um, now, what's and the I don't know, again, the, I don't know all the other... What's the story what's with the, story the mail left? fraud? Oh, okay, so... I, again, I'm just going to give you a basic, my basic understanding. Uh, essentially, he was his land, all the land that um, Creation Science Evangelism had, uh, was be, is being sold, and has some of it has been sold. Uh, a bunch of people are are buying it, and Kent not had a chance to do anything about it. And I mean, you know, everything's been taken from him, and so he's been filing liens in a. Um, I guess you'd you'd call it like a common law sense, um, not not to the, um, you know, the U.S. United States corporate uh, way, and so he he fired. Uh, I think he filed a lien somehow um, through his like with his trustee um, Paul J. Hansen, who uh, is now in Santa Rosa County Jail with him right now, and they're both being charged dually together in this uh, in this case. And it's set, I think, to happen in February, like maybe February 11th or something, I think, at this point. Um, and uh, let me just say this. Uh, what brought me into this uh, was we kind of reached out to Paul Hansen because Dan had been following Ken's blogs and things from prison and found out about Ken. We were really interested in the birth certificate and the Social Security number and wanted to do an episode for God's Property Radio on that. So on our eighth episode back in May... Uh, we interviewed Paul for about two hours in fantastic conversation. At the very end, uh, he he basically said what happened to Kent and why Kent's in prison, um, some of the fraud that went on with that. And not only that, his lawyer completely sold him out of the trial uh, initially. So when they said, uh, what's your defense? The lawyer got up there and said, uh, I have no defense, Your Honor. Wow. Completely sold him out. Wow. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm I'm giving you guys like very small tidbits of all the things that have happened because I don't I don't have like the transcripts I don't have everything in front of me, but I have done many interviews with different people that are related to the Hovens uh, on a friendship basis. <clears throat> so basically, what what this is to me is 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 about you know a guy who's paid eight plus years of his life uh, to a prison system, which I don't know if it's even biblical uh, to, to have prison, really. Um, the Bible says that, uh, you know, you, you, you do something severe, um, you know, you're, you're dead. You know, I mean, you should be killed. I mean, if you rape somebody, then you probably should die. You know, I mean, I mean that's, that's a very drastic look at the Bible and, and, and everything. Um, maybe, maybe I shouldn't even talk about this because... You know, it, it might get upsetting to people, but uh, I just don't know how just the, the prison system is, and that's a, an entirely another discussion. But at this point, eight plus years, Ken Hoven being in prison, um, <clears throat> I mean, I think it's time for him to go home. That's what right. I think. Uh, now, I don't know there, about you guys. 
Is there some sort of movement um, to get him out? Or you said he's getting out in February, possibly. Or um, <clears throat> what? What sort of uh, rallying has been done against this? And 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 if I if I understood you correctly, he's in prison for alleged tax evasion. Evasion. Um, That's what they've said, but. Oh, like realistically, that's just a term. And, and I, I, my understanding is that he didn't evade any taxes like at all. Um, right. Like that's, that's my understanding from Ernie. That's my understanding from Paul. That's my understanding from Kent himself. And, and he technically doesn't again, even have a social security number. So right. with his understanding, he was absolved from any. Th- you know, anything like that. And, and he had probably been doing it yep. for about 30 years or so. Right. Exactly. So as far as to answer your question, the movement, um, there are some sites that were around kind of helping him. There's a, a site out there called two Peter uh, com. I believe it's called. Um, it might be shifting to two Peter org eventually with somebody else running it. Cause I think they're changing whoever the, the guy that runs it is handing that over to somebody else, but that follows the entire case, like document pretty much by document. Uh, if anybody wants to get like the real scoop, um, check out two Peter three.com. Um, I felt it again. I, I mentioned at the beginning of this conversation about Kent that, you know, he's very integral in me keeping my faith, uh, to, to have many questions answered that the church wasn't answering for me in a pivotal time was huge. And so I feel partially indebted to, you know, God speaking through Kent, um, because I mean, that, that dude was, I don't know, man, like I can't really disagree with a lot of the things that he said. I mean, there's, I I can, I can disagree with other people like much easier than Kent Hovind, but I mean, I, I truly believe that Kent, everything he wanted to do, he wanted to be right with the Lord. I mean, he wouldn't have done anything that yeah. he did if he didn't want to be right with the Lord. So, Is there anything else that they tried to throw at him and didn't stick? Because, you know, if I'm looking at it from uh, an outsider's point of view or the point of view of a non-believer or the point of view of, you know, the government or something, you have this guy who's not paying taxes, owns a bunch of land, um, and has a bunch of college interns who he's not paying well, whatever, you know, is, is taken care of. Um, I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, it kind of sounds like somebody could misconstrue that as a cult or something. Is there any allegations like that or was there anything? Um, there are a lot of different allegations, uh, from different people. Uh, I know that Peter J. Riley from Forbes has been writing a lot of articles about Kent, uh, since, you know, the whole situation happened. Um, not, not necessarily in the positive light. Um, but I don't know specifically, I can't give you any of the, the arguments that have been against him. I've read some, um, but what I was going to say, uh, with, um, I'm, I'm really sorry, Basil. I feel like I just totally had like a, one of those moments where I just like lost everything that you just said. Oh no! Well, I was just saying, like I could, I could see from the outside because I'm just trying to see why, um, with the exception of you know speaking out against uh, all the all the you know shadowiness, um, why they would pursue him with such fervor, and you know I just got to thinking, you know, if a if a guy is not paying taxes and out in the 
in the fields with a bunch of college interns who he's taking care of, quote, unquote, um, and could be seen as a religious fanatic, I guess, by some people. Yes, uh, yes. You know what? I think there are a lot of people that are painting him that way. And um, to be honest, like I had mentioned earlier, Paul J. Hansen, the guy that we had spoken with back in you know, May on God's Property Radio, he, he actually hasn't driven with a license since like before 2010. I mean, uh-huh. that's, I mean, that sounds crazy to people, you know what I mean? But he successfully has done that. He lived in the Omaha area up until a few, few months ago. Um, challenged personal jurisdiction. Took him two months to get him from Omaha to Santa Rosa, um, which is crazy because that trial was actually supposed to go down, I think, in like December, you know? Right. So it's pretty insane. So I think Paul knows what he's doing, and I think uh-huh. they know what Paul's doing. And I think that Kent knew what he was doing to a degree, but he really, his main battle was evolution. Um, and so he was, yes, I think really what this, what this case and this trial means, uh, whether or not people agree with the, you know, the whole concept, what I think it's going to do is it's just another one of those things as you guys talk about in your show and, and, and guns as you talk about in your films. You know, this is a case of two extremist Christians that... Uh, don't have to answer to law, don't have to answer to anything uh, that will do, you know, stop at nothing really to just avoid their responsibility to society, you know? Right, right. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think that's what this is really about or what it's going to be about. I know that Kent did a lot more, though, that made a lot of people angry. I mean, he was calling a lot of public schools. I mean, he was getting, he was getting uh, you know, textbooks removed from from schools, even in prison, he's been doing that. Wow. He's been telling people, people have contacted him in prison and he's been like, yeah, it's been this many years. And this, uh, this specific thing in this book is, is totally, um, you know, bogus. It's, it's been proven wrong and they need to get that out of there. So they have to remove the whole book, you know, it's yeah. like things like that, that he was, he was doing and people have been, been, uh, you know, in contact with Kent and trying to still, you know, He's, he's also, I, I want to mention this, Kent Hovind has led over 700 men to Christ in prison in wow. the last eight plus years. Wow. That's incredible. So uh, it's not like God can't, can't use him, you know, anywhere. So. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, sorry, I was just going to say, to sum it up, I, I, I felt compelled with what I was saying before to start a website, not necessarily with um, the documentation or anything, but just a, a support like kind of a hub as I get articles um, from people that are written in a positive light towards Kent. Um, as I get people covering, you know, the trial, him conversations with Kent conversations with Paul conversations with anything to do with this trial. I'm just going to keep posting them to this website that I just started called freekent.com. So if anybody wants to go there, you can hit the donate button and your money is going to go straight to Kent. Uh, we're trying to print t-shirts right now. I know that, um, Ark from Destiny Lab, uh, he's, he's kind of involved with that with me. We're trying to get these t-shirts made right now. And like $25, you get your own free Kent shirt or a whole vindication t-shirt and the money goes to Kent. So. Very interesting. Well, that is very interesting. And then, and I definitely want to look more into this because this is a pretty fascinating case. Myself and Gons have been pretty interested in just the concept of, what did you call it? The Not the free man in the land, but the... Yeah, like legal control. Essentially, yeah. I, I just call it like, 
you know, legal fiction, whatever you want right. to call it. They, it is. That's they exactly bond what you. it is. Yeah, legal fiction. Yeah, we're, like, born, we're born into the system, and uh, just as little little bitty babies, we're given paperwork that um, uh, that just sort of binds, binds us. us. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I, I had recently yeah. heard a guy. I, I don't remember the guy's name, and I, I'm not going to look it up right now. But uh, he basically renounced his birth certificate. Yeah, and said that you know yeah. as soon as you as soon as you're born as soon as you are given a name and a birth certificate you are already tied into the whole Babylonian system and all this so it's like right. you know the extremes are coming out and it is interesting to me how you know like the forefathers and the people in charge understand it they understand that you know it is just a system yep. and there are ways to get out of it right and, and there are legal mm-hmm. ways to to get out of the system. Now they don't want you to get out of the system, and they don't necessarily want you to uh, know about it. But um, well, we, I'm sure the the as, laws and stuff have evolved too, right? You know? Well, and as we've seen in in very uh, select cases, people are able to get out of the system, and it's honored. You know that that choice to get out of the system is honored more or less um, by the the system itself you know it's almost like you know and this might just be me projecting but i almost feel like um like the forefathers and the uh you know the the shadow people almost kind of like see that as uh, sort of an enlightenment you know if somebody's able to grasp onto the fact that they can actually get out of the system they may right. not like it but they might respect it I don't right know, yeah no i hear me. you you know what i mean <laughs> Yeah, if you're smart enough to figure out the puzzle, then you're allowed to. Then you're to allowed step to get aside. out. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and I think I think that I think that this has been going on for a really long time. I don't think it's like something that just happened in the last you know even hundred years. I, I think that this is really. I mean, if you think about it, it's, it really goes back to Babylon. It really goes back to slavery. You know. Yeah. And um, and and the thing about it is, is I mean. I try to take notes on, on different lectures on this stuff because I just find it really fascinating. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not, I'm no brain dude. I'm just a, I'm like an artist. I'm not, it's not, not really a, a academic uh, backgrounded, but um, I know that the, cur- the, the, the corporate, corporate person, uh, like right here, I'm right. just going to read you something from my notebook. This is, this is from a, a lecture by Robin Wright from the Lordship Church. He, what he did, he's passed away now. Um, I'm trying to get in touch with some people that knew him uh, to do an interview, but um, on just on the 51C3 and Church Incorporation and stuff. But he talks about, in 1327, Edward III of England charters the Ecclesiastical Corporations for Charitable Purposes. Then in 1596, corporate legislation passed in England, creation of the corporate person, powers, capabilities, liabilities, determined of the ecclesiastical corporation yeah. um that that's that's been going around for a while you know what i mean I and mean, it's not it's uh it's not nothing new and if you look up corporate personhood and, and that kind of stuff you go on those rabbit trails anybody's listening you know you can look it up i mean the word person is it can mean corporation yeah so essentially you know the background of the whole thing is your name the name that your parents think that's so original that they chose for you uh, is copyrighted by the corporate United States. And yeah. that binds you. That's a contract, as we were talking about. And everything's done. We are done, property. <laughs> right, right. And it, everybody, 
everybody has one that we know, I mean, for the most part. But um, what, what I found really interesting was doing the interview with Paul Hansen back in May was that, Paul, we were talking about how an American and then a United States citizen, like via 14th Amendment citizen, is totally different. Like, he considers himself an American. Like, he's not a, a, a citizen. Again, like, the word citizen is like, you know, a subject. Right. And he's not subject to that. But he, um, he's done a lot of proper paperwork on, on how to get out of that and he has, he has a couple websites. I think there's one, pauljjjhanson.com. You can, like, read a ton of stuff on that. And then I think he has freeinhabitant.com or something like that. But he, he's written extensively on this stuff, and that's just that's what he does. He's, he actually has a lot of, I, I don't know everything that he did, but I know he owned a bunch of farmland, and he also owned a bunch of properties. So, I mean, he, he, he's actually lost, I think, around, like, $3 million doing this stuff. Wow. I mean, like he's gone to jail, I think just on little things, you know what I mean? Like as he learned how to do all this stuff, you know? Um, but, uh, anyway, he, he said that he had a friend that went to Vietnam, I believe it was. And so his friend, they, you know, they swear you in when you're, when you're about to you know go in right. uh, for the service. And so he was you know, on the line with these other two guys from each side of him. And, he lifted his hand to, to swear in and these guys wouldn't, they're next to him and he, they're not swearing in. They won't swear in. So they're being drilled like hardcore for like two hours. And he was just like, that's really weird. Right? So he goes off to Vietnam, comes back, wanted to figure out what, whatever happened to those two guys that like refused to swear in. Turns out that swearing in is your contract. And those men knew what was going on. So they never had to go to the war. I don't know exactly what happened to them, but he's like, are you kidding? Like that I had to go fight and almost die in Vietnam. And I, all I had to do was just not swear in and like know a bunch of other stuff to say that I don't yeah. contract with them, you know? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Well, that's the crazy thing too. If you think about it, a lot of stuff that we take for granted or we think is just for show or we think is just tradition or we think is just, you know, um, uh, just for, you know, whatever is actually legal actions that you're taking and in binding contracts that you're making with um with the system you know not even you know mm -hmm. it's it's hard to even call it a government because as most people here on the show know that uh the the entity in control of America right now is not necessarily the original government it's a corporation that's that's uh right basically been hired to run the country um and and not even in a metaphorical sort of uh you know way it's it's an actual thing um and so you know it's it just blows my mind and it's again it's a really radical thing to step outside of that and uh, yeah. as we can see it it doesn't make everybody too happy with you and it does sort of open up these doors um to you know definitely make trouble right well i mean and then you're sitting in this you know in front of this jury right and you're the one who's not paying income tax for instance right. and the whole jury pays their income well this guy's that's not fair you know yeah. and they're, they're then they're just going to vote vote against you because you're beating the system you know right and they might they <laughs> might like, yeah they may not even understand 
the system. Like they might not exactly. even because these are they people don't. who have been inside the system and are basically that's all they know. I mean, that blows my mind when I tell people, um, you know, when you try to actually explain to somebody that like you don't actually like the government isn't actually real. Like you know, it's not a real thing. It's just something we sort of made up, and like you're born yeah. into it, and you're not necessarily like. You don't actually have to belong to, you know, the system. Like, you know, and they just think you're mm-hmm. just a hippie stoner. <laughs> like, it doesn't, it just doesn't <laughs> register to, 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 like, think outside of the cage in that way. Um, it, it's, right. just, it's just so outside of people's brains. I mean, and the, the well, thing that did- I love is that the, you know, it's the forefathers. They're the ones who got it. They're like, oh, crap. Well, we know that people actually, you know, belong to God and, you know, you can't actually, but here's a way we can trick them into it. And they've been doing it for 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, and, and, you know, what really turned me on to this subject was actually a film uh, by Leonard Ulrich. You guys know Leonard Ulrich. Um, he did the Secret Societies and uh, Secret Societies and Biblical Prophecy, uh, Volume 1, uh, Wars and Rumors of Wars, The New World Order. Um, he, there's this part at the end where he kind of like ties in prophecy to stuff. And it's really interesting. Like he's going through the book of revelation and I can't, I can't like list out the verses exactly off the top of my head right now, but, um, it talks about like the different, um, items that you find in this city. Um, and he's like kind of drawing, like, it's, I think the chapter of the film is called the Babylonian archetype. And he tar- he starts to like draw comparisons to New York, um, and Babylon. And that, it, you know, he's not saying that New York is Babylon. He's just saying that it's an archetype of Babylon. Like it's, right. it's, um, it fits the bill. It fits the bill. And, and if it does fit the bill, then it's probably subject to the same judgment that Babylon is. Right. And, um, you know, he says, you know, you can get anything in New York, right? They say you can get anything you want in New York. And so he talks about, um, in this sentence, uh, where it's describing mystery Babylon or whatever it says, uh, you know, there's a bunch of items that you can get in the city. And it says the last two items in the city, like Leonard basically says, he's, you know, he's narrating and he says, this verse is extraordinarily accurate because the last two items in the city are slaves and the bodies and souls of men mm-hmm. or, yeah. and the souls of men or whatever it is. So he goes, he, he says the United States was allowed to become the world's biggest debtor nation when it became bankrupt in 1933, eventually along with all other nations, because your birth certificate is a bond. You are pledged as collateral on the debt of your nation. You are traded as a human resource on the stock exchanges of the world, especially in New York, the home to the largest world star, or sorry, home to the lar- the world's largest stock exchange. And that was for me when I when I watched that film, like that just that was like the the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Like I, I I had heard so much already, you know, with Building Seven and all that other stuff, and it was just like that was like I had this is one thing I have to start studying, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but as as I really do feel led by by the Lord to to um, look into this, I think that all of us should be looking into this. Um, I'm not saying that everybody needs to act on it, but I think everybody should be aware. Um, and the reason I, you know, I, I think the Lord led me into this is because at, at one point I went, 
into Wikipedia of all places. Sorry to reference Wikipedia, but when <laughs> I had been turned on to Hovind, when I had been turned on to Hovind, and I couldn't find anything about his case, but I knew that he was in prison and he had been helping me so much, you know, just by watching his videos. Um, I I did check the Wikipedia just to see what he was being arrested and or what he was tried for. And they, if you will read his Wikipedia, they they make him sound like a complete moron. I mean, really? like just to the umpteenth degree. Yeah, no, I've I've read that. And and but I I, I want to point this out because a lot of people don't get what he was trying to say when he was saying these things. And, you know, we can talk about the many meanings of words and stuff, but uh, this is just an excerpt that was on Wikipedia. Um, it says, after being indicted, Hoven claimed incomprehension to the charges, telling the court, I still don't understand what I'm being charged for and who is charging me. Magistrate Miles Davis asked Hovind if he spoke English, to which Hovind responded, to some degree. Davis replied that the government adequately explained the allegations and the defendant understands the charges, whether you want to admit it or not. Then Hovind stated that he did not recognize the government's right to try him on tax fraud charges. So you guys have probably heard about the whole, like, stand under, understand that's what Kent was saying. He was saying, like, I don't stand under your authority. I don't, right. um, I don't recognize, I do not contract with you. Because if you go to Black's Law Dictionary, for instance, I have the fifth edition, not with me, but I have written some definitions in my notebook here. And uh, if you look up the word recognize, it brings you to, it says see recognizance along with the definition of, of recognize. Um, so if you go to recognizance in fifth edition Black's Law, it, the recognizance states that it's an obligation entered into before a court or magistrate duly authorized for that purpose, whereby the recognizer acknowledges that he will do some act required by law, which is specified therein. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that is interesting. So all I'm saying is Kent Hovind knew it was up, and but when you read that, you, you're like this guy doesn't in- comprehend. He doesn't understand. This guy's this guy's retarded. Yeah, <laughs> you know? no, I mean, I that's, totally get that's it. the only way to take it. When in fact he knows better than anybody what's going on and isn't getting fooled into you know into mm-hmm. compliance with Contracting. something. Yeah, exactly. Probably over the head of the judge <laughs> that right. was saying it's, that. Right. It, it. I mean, it was either over the head of the judge, or the judge was, you know, using it to his advantage. Right. Um, right. You know. But no, that's really fascinating, and this this opens up a lot of conversation about this. And it's been a while since we've actually talked about this, and it's been a while since I've actually spent any time thinking about it. So I'm kind of glad that this uh, we we got to have this conversation. Uh, what what was the the website again? You were you're starting. Free Kent. F-R-E-E-K-E-N-T dot com. Okay. That is, uh, it's up now. It's up now. I have some updates to do to it, but again, as I, as I get more things, I just, I will just keep posting them. Um, um, I wanted to recommend to you guys, if you want to do an episode on, on this topic, just to like get an, a factual documentation type of episode. Um, I can give you the contact info for a guy who we just interviewed. And unfortunately our interview um, our Skype cut out during the interview. And, um, so I, I literally went off of, um, like a, like my, my microphone to get this guy's voice and it's like horrible quality. 
Um, I didn't, I didn't get anything off of Dan's computer cause it crashed. Uh. But, um, so it's a really lo-fi convo. If you guys want to interview this dude, he has this thing called the, de- the declaratory act. I don't know if you've ever heard of the declaratory act. Um, he's done a lot of research on that and UCC and stuff like that. You could probably put together about an hour and a half with him just on the legal stuff. And he'll walk you document through document through document, proving that this stuff's real. That's fascinating. Yeah. We're definitely interested in, in, uh, and looking more into that as some, I, I mean, it might actually be one of the most fascinating things that, that I've heard of recently. Um, so yeah, we'd definitely be into that. I'm sure our listeners would be interested in that. Everybody listening right now, if you want to get updates on Kent Hovind's uh, situation, you can go to freekent.com and uh, follow him there, get a t-shirt, do something like that. Sam from God's Property Radio, thanks for coming on, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. You guys are a huge inspiration to us, so we really appreciate being befriended by you guys. So Absolutely, and we, we love what you guys are doing over there, and uh, I think we're going to do a little bit more stuff together here soon. Um, I think uh, Dan was trying to get me on there to, to talk about some things, and God's Property Radio, everybody, is a great podcast. If you haven't heard of it yet, go check it out and give these guys your support because they're really great. Gons, anything before we take off here? Yeah, uh, a few months ago, uh, you had mentioned Leonard Ulrich. He's working on his second film, Part 2, or Volume 2 of uh, New World Order, Bible Prophecy, and Secret Societies, and I probably butchered the name. It's, it's you know, all that stuff. And, and we'll have Leonard on it's to called, talk about it's it. It's called The Illusion of Money. Right, the, the, new, the second volume. And we'll have Leonard on pretty soon here to talk about his film. But in the process, Sam, you've been working on the soundtrack for the film, which yeah. I know what that's like, because I mean, I, I putting together age of deceit one and two, that was a major part of what I had to do as a one man production team was put together a soundtrack for uh, the film. So it's cool that you're um, being the outsourced part of it. And it's probably much more artistically uh, sound, so to speak. Um, but you asked me what a few months ago, if uh, I'd be interested in playing some guitar on one of the tracks you had, and you sent yeah. the raw track, and I, I actually, I love the song. Like, not because I play guitar on it. Like, I legitimately love the song because it's, like, the lyrics and just, I mean, I love it, man. So can you, um, we're going to probably end the show with the song. Can you tell us a little bit about, like, what inspired you? And I think, that actually, the lyrics play nicely with some of the things we talked yeah. about in this episode. Yeah, I don't have I don't have the lyrics with me uh, right now. I know uh, a bunch of them, and I can't. I'm not um again like I'm I'm not a, a Bible buff as far as like being able to recall certain numbers of verses. But I used a bunch of scripture, um, probably in, I think in each verse I used some scripture relating to money. Um, and, and I think Leonard actually emailed me. Uh, a bunch of different verses that I should, you know, go through and like perhaps, you know, be inspired by, which was totally amazing of him to do because, uh, you know, it's when you write a song around scripture, I mean, that is just like a totally different ball game. I mean, it, it just writes itself, you know? And, um, so, uh, I'm just trying to think the concept uh, the, the title of the song is called Baptized in Credit. Uh, I grew up in like the Chicago area playing uh, shows uh, in the kind of like 
I guess you'd call them like pop punk indie bands, whatever. Um, then I was in another band and stuff too for a while, but, um, there's this band that I was like sort of acquainted with. Um, and they, they had this song, uh, where it was called, I think it's called Benediction, this band called the Felix Culpa that I was acquainted with. And, um, they, in the song, it's a really awesome song. Uh, but you can just tell the disdain for, uh, uh, I guess, organized religion, so to speak, in the song. Uh, well, well-written song. And they talk a lot about this, um, just the fraud of the, the banking. And, the, and they talk about the, the new church of commerce. And as, you know, you come into the New World Order studies, um, uh, they, you know, I mean, the 501c3, the fact that we, you know, take on... Um, in, in corporation, we have to become a corporation which is not a church, which is created by the government, which is not created by Jesus. And when Jesus is knocking at the door, you know, saying, hey, I want, want in on this meeting, well, he's not invited because, you know, the government doesn't let Jesus in to anything that you do for the most part. Like, I mean, within reason, you know, you, we've sold our voices. And um, I, unfortunately, and so when I realized, like, on top of, you know, all that, you know, all the New World Order stuff, the 501c3, the legal stuff, the Federal Reserve, all that stuff. Um, I wanted to create kind of a rebuttal to this song um, called Benediction, which I actually enjoy the song, but I just disagree with the overall, um, you know, distaste for, for Christianity and, and uh, whatnot. And uh, so in the song, he said something like, we've been baptized in credit." The eventually, the eventual fate of the blessed, um, or neither sale, saints or salesmen, but somewhere in between, um, so, stuff like that. So my goal with this song was to create something, hopefully as witty as what a band like that would create, but use it for the Lord's glory. And uh, in doing so, I, I, you know, I got to it got to be the closing song for the film coming out, which I think is really gonna resonate with a lot of people. Uh, I think that even greater than the first film that Leonard did, I think that this, this one um, is going to hit close to home for people that don't know about the Federal Reserve and don't know about central banking and, and such. Um, not to mention, he just goes into the entire history of money and what is money, what was money, um, biblically. Um, but yeah, the song really is just about letting go of your you know, your attachment to money and your security and really just trusting in the Lord. I mean, this is like the most basic way I can say it. Um, and really just giving it up for, for, for the Lord. I mean, it's not that you, the Lord won't provide those things, but it's, it's that, it's that we need to be putting the Lord first and we need to be redeemed because that's really the only stock we should be putting anything in. If you don't mind, I just wanted to plug this. Um, I'm going to be creating a website called godspropertymedia.com, uh, which is an extension of God's Property Radio. I'm, I'm actually going to be releasing the CD soundtrack and the film, the DVD, I'm going to be distributing on its film um, with that in the coming months. So be on the lookout maybe around May for those things to be coming.
to buy online And if you're listening Make money, you got it And it will surely plague you like the devil Devil, devil If we reap what we sow Are we nothing more than what we owe? Just a dollar and a dream Wake up
everybody. I hope you liked some rock and roll. Uh, good job, Guns. Good job. Thanks. You're an, ac- an axe man. An axeman. I am an axeman. And, I, and I'm, yeah. I'm glad I can use it for uh, something worthwhile, you know? For Jesus. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, I used to, you know, practice a lot for silly reasons. For Satan. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, good job. That was great. Uh, okay, so there you have it, everybody. You got some music. You got some good uh, stuff there. Some legal, some legal information. Um, Before we wrap up here, Sam wanted me to inform everyone that if Kent Hovind gets sentenced again with these new allegations, he and Paul will basically die in prison. They won't be able to get out during their lifetime. So uh, he just wanted to stress upon the level of importance of this case that's coming up here. And number two, if there's anyone out there who are Christian musicians or artists who want to submit original content for the Kentoven benefit compilation, they can email MP3s to God's property radio at gmail.com. So he just wanted me uh, to give those little tidbits as a afterward. All right. Sounds good. Uh, if you have not yet, you can like us on Facebook. We love you when you do that. Well, we like you back. Um, also, we're on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter. Go to iTunes. Leave us a review or a rating because, um, you know, people need to know. People need to know why you love or hate us so much. Also, if you'd like to support Canary Cry Radio financially to keep Gons and I out of the gutter, and still connected to the internet we would so gratefully appreciate that we're also appreciative of those who already do that and if you want to join that club you can go to canarycryradio.com there you can sign up for a monthly donation of 5 or 10 or whatever there's a whole bunch of choices um, dollars per month which is just such a blessing to us but if commitment isn't your thing you can go ahead and leave a one time donation of any amount you want any amount it could be like $13.74. It could be whatever. Um, so there. So that's a thing. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to this Canary Cry flyby. Make sure to tune in next time. And until then, think outside the cage.